Say good morning. I want to say good morning to those who are at our Mill Creek campus, those who are watching online, those who are watching by TV, those at our Sugarloaf campus. Thanks for being here today. It is the summer for sure, and uh, I, for one, am glad that summer finally came. I do want to take a moment uh, and say happy Father's Day to all the dads that are out there. So all you dads out there, just would you raise your hand right now if you're a dad? All right, dads, happy Father's Day to uh, all of you, and we appreciate you. You know, talking about dads, um, I got to think about families. And um, one of the greatest things in life and joys of life, if, if God so favors you, is to have a family. And I got to thinking about one of the cool things about having a family is, is, is families develop traditions. Uh, we all do. Some, we have Thanksgiving traditions. We have Christmas traditions. We have, you know, different traditions. And, you know, there's a list of things that we do in certain times of the year, maybe certain places that we go and, and certain things that we do. And uh, one tradition that my family had when my kids were small and when they were growing up and still at home, we had a Christmas tradition every year. We would go down to the Alliance Theater and uh, we would see a production of Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol. Did that every year, every Christmas we would do that. And uh, never get tired of it. it it's a timeless um, classic saturated with the Christmas spirit. It always kind of got us in the Christmas mood. And yet that tradition came to an end for a school in Pennsylvania two years ago because of the story's most famous phrase. You know, if you've seen the play or you've read the book, it comes toward the end when Tiny Tim says those famous words, God bless us, everyone. Well, that uh, tradition came to an end because there were some parents in that school, they didn't like God being mentioned in the school play. And so they cried, bah humbug. And so uh, in 2016, uh, a fifth grade production of The Christmas Carol that had been going on for 40 years was canceled, never to be done again because of some parents who didn't like the fact that God was mentioned. Now, just about the time when you think life can't get any crazier, and people can't get more politically correct and more insensitive, you find out that they can. But this event does beg a question. Now, what I'm about to say, I assume that God exists, and I, I know that most of you assume that God exists, but with that assumption, my question to you today is very simple, particularly in light of what happened in that school. If there is a God, and if what we believe about that God is true, who would not want the blessing of God on their life? Who would not want the blessing of God on their family? Who would not want the blessing of God on their marriage? Who would not want the blessing of God on their school? Who would not want the blessing of God on their community and on their city and on their nation or even the entire world? As a matter of fact, can you think of anything greater right now that could happen to you or your loved ones than to know that the blessing and the favor of God rest upon you. One of the things that I, I thank God for every day and pray for every day is the blessing and the favor of God on my life, on my wife, on my kids, on my grandkids, on my church, on my family, on our nation, and on our world. And I believe that deep down, even people who don't believe in God, I really do believe this. I believe we're all born with a desire to be blessed. 
I believe we're all born with this desire to, to have God's favor on us. I mean, people who are religious and non-religious, people who are spiritual and who are secular, they, could, they just can't even help themselves in either wanting a blessing or blessing someone else. Let me give you an example. You're in a restaurant or you're out in a mall or you're shopping or you're in an office building and you sneeze and you're, you're with strangers. What will somebody invariably say? Bless you or God bless you. Why do they do that? Who taught them to do that? There's just this desire in us to be a blessing and to bless others. Traditionally, even till today, when a man wants to marry a woman, the traditional thing to do is you go to the father and ask for his what? His blessing. You ask for his blessing. And then people from all walks of life, when they pray, they feel a desire to look up to heaven or close their eyes and ask God to bless the food that they eat. Why do we do that? There's just something we're all born with from the time we come out of our mother's womb. We want to be blessed and we want to be a blessing. Now, we're in a series that we're calling Music to My Ears. And we've been listening, so to speak, to some of the most beautiful songs and some of the most beautiful lyrics that have ever been written. They were in, they're found in a book called Psalms. And I want to invite you today to take your Bibles or get on your iPad or smartphones or whatever you've got. And I want you to turn to the book of Psalms. It's about in the middle of the Bible. And I want you to turn to a Psalm that you're not very familiar with. I can promise you it is Psalm 67. Several years ago, an anonymous songwriter, we don't know who wrote this song, wrote this beautiful ancient song. And what it does, it describes just how great God's blessings are. And the wonderful thing is, these blessings are for everybody who wants them. They're for everybody who seeks them. They're not for a privileged few. And I can say to everybody listening to my voice right now or listening to this message later on, if you want these blessings, you can have these blessings. Now, again, this particular psalm is not a very well-known psalm. As a matter of fact, if, if all the Psalms are songs, and they are, if you made a list of the top 40, this would not make the list, most likely. This would be way down the line. As a matter of fact, there are a lot of commentators that I've read who even deal with this Psalm usually take at most one or two pages and they're done. Martin Luther wrote five volumes on the book of Psalms, didn't even include this one. This one didn't even make the list. He didn't even think it was important enough to say anything about it. But when I studied this psalm, and in my mind I closed my eyes and I put it to music, and I imagined that I was listening to this song all over again, I saw some of the greatest blessings that are available to believers today that we enjoy every day and one blessing that everybody on this planet enjoys every single day. And here's what you're gonna see about the blessing of God. God's blessing really is the gift that keeps on giving. So what I wanna do as we listen to this song today, I wanna share with you four simple things that the blessing of God gives us every single day. Number one, God's blessing gives us grace. God's blessing gives us grace. Now, when we think about blessings, we, our, our mind generally moves 
to one of three things, okay? First of all, we think about people. We talk about being blessed with a great family. I, I tweeted out this morning how grateful I am for three wonderful sons that God gave me. And we think about being blessed with a great family. We think about being blessed with great friends or a great spouse. I've got the greatest wife in the world. Great employees are a great boss. So when you think about blessings, we think about people. Then almost everybody, when they think about blessings, they think about possessions. They, they think about, you know, what we have. So we, we say, well, I've been blessed with a nice house. I've been blessed with a nice car. I've been blessed with elegant clothes. I'm blessed with a good paycheck. I'm blessed with expensive jewelry. So when we think about God's blessings, we, 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 we think about people, and, and then we think about possessions. We think about who we know, who we love, what we have. But then we think about position. We, we think about the blessing of, 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 oh, I'm the president of my company. What a blessing. Or I'm the principal of a school. I'm the provost of a university. Or I'm the pastor of a church. And I agree, those are all wonderful blessings. But the songwriter reminds us that the greatest blessing of all is God himself. So he begins in verse one. He says, may God, be gracious to us. There's grace. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine on us. Now, what the psalmist is saying here is this. The greatest blessing we have in this life is God himself. The greatest blessing we have is the one who gives us every blessing. Because think about it. When you have the face of God shining on you and you've got the mouth of God smiling at you, there's not a greater place to be there's not a greater blessing to receive than to know that when the God that created this earth looks at me, his face is shining on me and his mouth is smiling at me. You know, one of the things that's amazing about the way you communicate with people is how you can communicate with just a facial expression. You know, ju just, uh, I mean, ju think, if you ever thought about just, just the way somebody looks at you, it can put a knot in your gut or it can put joy in your heart. The way somebody looks at you can make you feel like a million bucks or can make you feel like a counterfeit penny. Uh, some of you knew my dad. Most of you didn't, but some of you knew my dad. My dad had what I called the look. And when my dad gave me that look, I knew my stock market had just crashed. When my dad gave me that look, I knew to put my head between my legs and kiss my rear end goodbye. I just, I knew it. He had that look. You can speak volumes to somebody just by turning away. You can speak volumes to somebody just by giving them what is called a hard look. Or you can speak volumes when you soften your features. Are you given encouraging, affirming smile? or just a nod of the head, you can make someone's day. You don't need any words to know how you make them feel. And the reason why the psalmist is asking for God's blessing in a shining face turned toward us is because it signals the two greatest things you can ever get from God, his love and his acceptance. So when he says, God, would you make your face shine on me? It's a reminder to me, God, you love me, and God, you accept me. Because let me tell you what that means. If God's face is shining on you, that means no matter who else rejects you, God doesn't reject you. 
And nothing, listen, nothing, absolutely nothing more matters than if God accepts you. It doesn't matter who rejects you if God accepts you. It doesn't matter who hates you if God loves you. Now, you may be thinking I'm trying to over-spiritualize God's blessings and I'm trying to ignore the material blessings that we have. I'm not. I'm not trying to do that at all. But I would like to challenge you with this. Not everything that we consider a blessing is a blessing. Not everything that we consider a blessing is a blessing. I mean, think about it this way. If the greatest spiritual blessing of all, which is the favor and the love and acceptance of God and knowing Him, if that blessing does not lie as the foundation of all other blessings, including our possessions and our material things, then the other blessings can wind up becoming a curse. Because here's what we do. If we don't understand that our greatest blessing is God, and if we don't understand that all of our other blessings come from God, then what you will do is you will substitute all the other blessings for God. And when you substitute all the other blessings for God, you think we don't need God. One of the greatest barriers we have in our church right here to the gospel, we live in, in some of the most prosperous areas of this city. Not far from us, you know, is one of the greatest neighborhoods in this city. And we're, we're living surrounded by people who look at us and wonder why we even come here on Sunday. Because here's their attitude. I live in a million-dollar house. I drive a Mercedes-Benz. I got a great marriage. I got beautiful kids. I get a big, big paycheck. And you're going to tell me I need God? And see, the problem is they don't understand everything I just mentioned came from God. God gave them everything they had. They don't get it. They don't realize it. So what they have done is they have substituted the blessing for the blesser. And that happens to so many people who don't understand the purpose of God's blessings to begin with. Because notice what else the psalmist says. He says the reason why God shines his face on us and the reason why God blesses us is so that your ways, that is his ways, may be known on earth, your salvation among all nations. May the peoples praise you, God. May all the peoples praise you. In other words, he says the purpose of God blessing us is not so that other people will marvel at how blessed we are, but they will marvel at how wonderful the God is who has blessed us. And so we will testify that all of our blessings come from God so that others can know the God that has blessed us. That's why it's so important if you're a follower of Jesus, so important if you really love God, you always give credit to God for every good thing you have and every good thing you do. I, I, you know, I, I sign my letters all to Jesus. When people come and they'll say, oh man, that was a great message. I said, I give it all to Jesus. No matter what I have or what I do, I realize it all comes from Jesus. And too often, we become sponges that soak in God's blessings when what we're really supposed to do is be reflectors that reflect God's blessings on other people. In other words, we're not to be dams of God's blessings. We're to be reservoirs. We're not blessed just to be blessed. Matter of fact, let me just make a dogmatic statement. You are never blessed just to be blessed. Never. You are always blessed to be a blessing. 
You're always blessed to be a blessing. We're not to be dams. We are to be reservoirs. So God's blessing gives us grace. Why? So that we can in turn share with others the best news of all that God wants to share his grace with everyone else. His blessing to the entire human race is nothing else, nothing less, and nothing but his salvation, his presence, and his love. So number one, God's blessing gives us grace every single day. Number two, God's blessing gives us guidance. God's blessing gives us guidance. So now listen to one verse in this song. It's both comforting and amazing. Listen to verse four. May the nations be glad. Let me just stop right there. Now he's talking to the whole world. I want America to be glad. I want Great Britain to be glad. I want Kenya to be glad. I want North Korea to be glad. I want Russia to be glad. I want China to be glad. I want Venezuela to be glad. I want all the nations to be glad and sing for joy. Why? For you rule the peoples with equity. You guide the nations of the earth. That's an amazing statement. Because if you read your paper, you'd say, doesn't look like that to me. If you listen to the news, you'd say, doesn't look like that to me. If you go on the internet, you say, doesn't look like that to me. You read the Drudge Report, you'd say, man, it doesn't look like that to me. You listen to Fox or CNN or MSNBC or ABC or just whatever station you choose, you'd say, boy, it doesn't sound that way to me. But here's the problem. At the end of the day, we all know presidents win and presidents lose. Kings live and kings die. Dictators come and dictators go. But the psalmist says today, the blessing of God is, is that God rules all of the earth with equity and God guides the nations of the earth. Now, I'll be the first one to admit, there are times I go, man, it sure doesn't look like God's doing a good job. It sure seems like maybe God's falling asleep at the wheel. I'll be the first one to admit it. But I can tell you with 100% confidence God is using every nation. God is using every government. God is using every ruler that is in place to move the flow of history to ultimately where he wants it to go. So here's something we need to remember. God is not just the American God. God is the Russian God. God is the Japanese God. God is the Iranian God. God is the French God. God is the Korean God. Jesus Christ is Lord over every square inch of land and over every single drop of water. I don't care what it may look like, what it may sound like, what it may feel like. I want you to hear me. God is in charge. God's running the show. God's calling the shots. There's not a ruler on this planet that's sitting on a throne today that God either didn't put there or God is not allowed to be there. And not only does he rule, the psalmist says, not only does he rule over all of the earth, he guides the nations. Now, normally when we talk about the guidance of God, we talk about it individually, right? God guides me, God leads me, God shows me his will, you know, so, you know, God gives, guides me to light when I'm in the dark, God guides me to peace when I'm in trouble, God guides me to safety when I'm in a storm, but the psalmist says it's better than that. In his own way, in his own timing, using his own methods, for his own purposes, he guides 
the nations. That's why even in our politics, hear me now, I'm going to meddle just a little bit. Even in our politics, we ought to always keep God in mind. That means even in our politics, I don't care if you're a Democrat, a Republican, or an Independent. We ought to pray for both parties. We ought to pray for political leaders in both parties. It's why we should pray for the president regardless of who or she may be. That's why we ought to pray for the leaders of other countries because God does guide. His hand is on the steering wheel. And I don't think anybody could deny that this world would be 180 degrees different from what it is today if every nation truly lived and believed they were one nation under God. I was reading about lighthouses the other day. Lighthouses have always fascinated me. And I was reading about lighthouses and I found out there are two kinds of lighthouses. I didn't know this. You may not know this. There are actually two kinds of lighthouses. I've seen both of them. Some are built near rocky reefs and dangerous coastlines. And their lights are designed to prevent ships from getting too close to a destructive area. Other lighthouses are built near the bay, um, the mouths of bays and waterways, and their purpose is to guide ships into safety and security. When I read that, I thought to myself, in a world that's dragging in a sea of moral confusion and battered side to side by some people saying, well, this is right, this is wrong, and other people say, no, that's wrong, and this is right, the psalmist says there is a God in heaven who has given us his word to be a lighthouse to show individuals and churches and communities and nations the right way to live, the right way to think, the right way to obey, and to navigate through all the darkest storms of life that hit individuals and families and communities and nations and the world. So God's blessing gives us grace. God's blessing gives us guidance. But then the psalmist says this, God's blessing gives us gladness. God's blessing gives us gladness. You know, anytime a thought is repeated in the Bible or a phrase is repeated in the Bible, it's a way of really emphasizing something. In the Hebrew language, in the Greek language, they didn't have exclamation points like we do. So the way they would emphasize something is they would repeat it. For example, you remember the prophet Isaiah said about God, holy, holy, holy. Holy is the Lord our God. He could have just said it one time. Why did he say it three times? It's not because the people were deaf. It was this way of saying, holy exclamation point. Holy exclamation point. Holy exclamation point. So anytime the Bible repeats something, it's, a, it's, a, it's God's way of emphasizing something. Now, there's a repetition of a verse in the Psalm and it goes like this. May the peoples praise you, God. May all the peoples praise you. That's verse three. Verse five, may the peoples praise you, God. May all the peoples praise you. Now, when something is said once in the word of God, you ought to listen pretty hard. When it's said twice, you better listen twice as hard. So in this case, what the psalmist says is, if you really believe that your blessings come from God, and if you believe that everything you have comes from God, you ought to praise God and not just praise God, praise God twice as much and twice as hard as you think you ought to praise God. God. And here's the point. The psalmist is saying God's blessing ought to make us glad. 
No matter what else is going on in your life, no matter what else, what else is going on in the world, no matter what else may be going on in your home, there's a certain sense where God's blessing ought to make us be, be glad. We ought to be glad that God rules all of the peoples. We, we, we ought to be glad that God guides all of the nations. We ought to be glad that God's salvation is available to everyone. We ought to be glad for all of the goodness that God brings to everyday life. I got, I don't know if you probably don't know this, I didn't know this. That little word blessing, in the Old Testament alone, the word blessing is found, you ready for this? 415 times. 415 times. That means almost on average, that word is found seven times in every, no, that word is found 12 times, on average, 12 times in every book of the Old Testament. And I tell you what I find so amazing, and, and I, I'm guilty of it too. We swim every day in the oceans of God's blessings. We swim every day in the oceans of God's goodness. And we go day after day after day and don't even realize we're wet. There was a group of students, they were in college, and they were asked, they were given a pop quiz. And so the professor said, I want you to list what you think are the present seven wonders of the world. What do you think are the seven greatest wonders of the world? Well, these got the most votes. Egypt's great pyramids, number one, I've seen those. Taj Mahal, number two. Grand Canyon, number three. Panama Canal, number four. World Trade Center, number five. St. Peter's Basilica, number six, China's Great Wall, number seven. They said, okay, those are the greatest modern wonders of the world. Well, while they were gathering the votes, the teacher noticed there was one little very quiet student and she didn't even turn in her paper. So she asked the girl if she was having trouble with her list. She said, well, yes, ma'am, I, I am. She said, frankly, I, I can't make up my mind because there's so many. And, and the teacher said, well, Tell us what you have and maybe we can help you. She said, well, okay. She said, I think the seven wonders of the world are these. To touch, to taste, to see, to hear, to feel, to laugh, and to love. The class went totally silent. <laughs> the teacher at first was shocked. And then the teacher said, you know what? I believe you're right. And to the amazement of the class, she said as she continued, you know why I think you're right? She said, because all of the blessings everybody else listed can either be built or they can be bought. But everything that you listed are blessings that can only be given. It's great stuff. Those are the great blessings. Listen, the greatest blessings of life are not the blessings that you can buy or build. The greatest blessings of life are the blessings that only God can give. And to make the point, the psalmist continues. Now listen to what he says. He says, the land yields its harvest, verse six, the land yields its harvest, God, our God, blesses us. Now let me ask you a question. Here's this songwriter writing a song about the blessings of God, and all of a sudden he goes farmer on us. He goes, Farmer Jones, he goes agricultural. Why in the world would he talk about a harvest right in the middle of the blessings 
of God. Well, remember, this was not an industrial society he was talking to. This was not a mechanical society he was talking to. This was not a computerized society he was talking to. This was an agricultural society. And one of the most visible ways you could see the goodness and the blessing of God was in a harvest. As a matter of fact, most scholars even believe this psalm was a harvest song. And they believe it was a song that was a sung as people were beginning to reap their harvest, as people were beginning to bring in their crops. Because the most important word to any farmer, even to this day, is the word harvest. Because to a farmer, that one word or the lack of that word can mean the difference between plenty and poverty. That one word can mean the difference between surviving and thriving. That one word can mean the difference between life and death. And what the psalmist is saying is nothing represents the goodness of God and the grace of God and the gladness of God more than a harvest because the best farmer in the world with the best seed in the world, with the best farming equipment in the world, with the most fertile land in the world. The best farmer can plant that seed. He can plow that ground. He can fertilize that soil. But after that, it's all up to who? Who? God. The farmer cannot give the harvest. He can plant the seed. He can break up the ground. He can fertilize it. But only God can give the harvest. The farmer cannot guarantee the harvest. The farmer cannot give the harvest, but God can do both. And here's the truth of the matter. Everything we have, whether it's health or wealth, whether it is life, liberty, or the pursuit of happiness, everything we have is the blessing of God. I got news for every one of us in this room. I don't care how much money you got in the bank. I don't care what your IRA or your 401k looks like. I don't care how great your investments have been. I don't care how secure you think you are. We all live from hand to mouth, his hand to our mouth. God's blessing gives us grace. God's blessing gives us guidance. God's blessing gives us gladness. But then he says one last thing. God's blessing gives him glory. God's blessing gives him glory. Now here's why he's, listen to how this, this is so good the way he wraps this up. When you realize, God, you're the one that gives me grace. You're the one that gives me guidance. You're the one that gives me gladness. You're the one that gives me goodness. When we acknowledge that, we make sure that we acknowledge by our lips and by our lives that God gets the glory. See, we can't expect the world to guide them if we're not going to allow God to bless us with his guidance. We, we can't expect the world to desire God's grace 
if we don't testify that we are what we are and we have what we have by the blessing of God's grace. And if we don't experience the gladness that ought to come by knowing that we're blessed by God, how in the world will we ever make a world that is mad and sad come to the God who wants to bless them and make them glad? You see, ultimately, everything that God's ever done for you ultimately has not been primarily for your good. Never has been, never will be. It is primarily for his glory. And so the psalmist closes by saying in verse seven, may God bless us still so that all the ends of the earth will fear him. Now watch this. May God bless us still so that we can enjoy life until we die. No. May God bless us still so I can buy anything I want anytime I want to have it. No. Well, God, may God bless us still so I can show everybody how pleased God is with me. He said, no. May God bless us still so that all the ends of the earth will fear him. God desires all of the earth to fear him, to give him the reverence, the respect, and the response that he deserves, and to give him the worship and the witness that he desires, and to give him the love and the guidance that he demands. And I say all that to say this. It's why I talk every week about the gospel. It's why I talk to you every week about sharing the gospel. It's why I talk to you every week about sharing Jesus with others who need Jesus. It's why the greatest passion of my life, and I believe the greatest passion of our church's life, ought to be evangelism, ought to be seeing lost people come to Christ because I want to say to every believer in our church and to our church of every believer, if we want others to give God glory, we must give God glory. If we want others to honor God, we must honor God. When you go back to the first verse, if you know your Old Testament, if you go back to the very first verse that he wrote in this psalm, you'll realize the psalmist here is actually referring back to a prayer that was prayed by Moses. When he said, God, would you make your face shine upon us? That actually goes back to a prayer that Moses prayed in the 33rd chapter of the book of Exodus. You don't need to turn to it, but here's what happened. God, Moses was talking to God. And in this prayer in Exodus 33, he asked God for three things. He said, number one, God, would you teach me your ways so I could know you and I could favor you as I lead my people? Number two, God, please never take your presence away from me or from my people. But then he prayed, God, would you please look on me, shine your face on me, and would you show me your glory? Would you shine your face on me and would you let me see your glory? glory. Here's what God did. God said, Moses, I'll give you the first request. And as long as the people obey me and love me, I will give you the second request. But I can't give you the third one. I can't let you see my face. I can't let you see my glory. And here's why. But God said, you cannot see my face for no one may see me and live. He said, Moses, if I were to show you my face, you'd be dead before you ever got a glimpse of it. So, okay, so what's the point? Well, what God said to Moses was true until Jesus came. 
And everybody that looked into his face and everybody that looked into his eyes looked into the face of God and looked into the eyes of God. And today, we will see God in all of his glory when all of the redeemed people of the world, drawn from every tribe and every tongue and every nation, come before his throne. And every race will be bathed in amazing grace. And we will all see his face. That is the greatest blessing of all. And here's my point. I'm finished. There's really only one reason why we've been so blessed. There's really been only one reason why we're so blessed every single day. There's really only one reason why we get up every morning and when you get out of your bed without even realizing it, you automatically jump into the ocean of God's grace and God's guidance and God's gladness and God's goodness. It will all be and it is all because of the greatest blessing of all, which is when God sent his son to die on the cross, to pay for our sins and came back from the dead so he could live in all of our hearts and he could bless us, everyone. Let's pray together.